It is finally tournament time for the 2023 disc golf season. In today's episode of the Chain Clinkers Disc Golf Podcast, we drop the top five things you must do before your disc golf tournaments in 2023. Let's get into it right now. Welcome in everybody to the Chain Clinkers Disc Golf Podcast presented by Upper Park Disc Golf. They have the best disc golf bags in the game. They have a wide variety of different bags. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new player. Trenton is showing off his shift it's on the empty. YouTube right now. It's completely empty. It fits upwards of 18 discs oh, in the main compartment. Horatio's playing with some toy. This is a fantastic <laughs> ad read to start the episode. So it doesn't matter if you play with toys and you're not taking disc golf seriously, then you can get a shift and it's going to be great for disc golf as well as it's going to be great for going out and just having some beers with the boys out on the course. Trenton is showing off the rain fly that all the bags come with these bags you can also get the rebel which is the most expensive option but it's the tournament it's option amazing. That's what you're going to see all the pros use it's awesome trenton and i both use them and love them and you can get the perfect amount of discs in there as well as plenty of storage and then you, you can even get something like the pinch pro which is a little bit more for the newer players but it's got some awesome side pockets for those beers and if there's one thing we love on this podcast it is beers on the disc golf course and we think that upper park supports us in having those beers on the disc golf course trenton again is showing some liquor on the youtube this ad read has gotten out of control hopefully you're still he's got cherries oh my gosh what does this guy have meanwhile you can use promo code clinkers 10 save yourself 10 percent. it supports us and it lets Upper Park know that we sent you over there. And we really do uh, appreciate that. We do make a commission off of these. So it helps us keep the lights on, keep the bills paid, and keep amazing content coming for you. And we want to continue to make amazing content for you. And we can do that with your help supporting us over at Upper Park. Let's talk tournaments, boys and girls. It's 2023. We've got the very first Disc Golf Elite Series event going on right now as we are recording this on Thursday night. By the time you listen to this on Monday, we will already have some champions on the Elite Series. And we want to talk to you about how you can get better at disc golf tournaments. We've got five things you must do before your first disc golf tournament in 2023. We think that these are going to allow you to play better this year, and that is the goal. Let's bring in the two co-hosts who have been causing mayhem to start this episode. Trenton and Horatio, how are we doing tonight, boys? Hey, I'm doing great. Apologize for making the ad read about 20 seconds longer than normal, but I feel like I added some valuable content, so I uh, can't wait to get this show rolling. Yeah, and just for the people that are listening and not watching, the toy he's talking about is a D&D mini that my coworker painted for me i bet a lot of our followers listeners Ooh. probably play D, D, so it's pretty cool there yeah shout out to gelatinous glizzy sometimes she uh hops in on youtube comments i love that nice. i need to play D. &D. let's uh, play sometime i've never played so i need have you guys both played D, &D? Uh, just with, uh, at work we've played it but it's fun you have to have a lot of yeah. imagination quentin i don't know if you would do well <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'm also scared to play D and D. I mean, scared. I've watched Stranger Things. I've seen what's happened when people play D and D. So that's a game that I stay far away from, especially because 
my little peewee brain cannot get over uh, all the you know things you have to do for that game. Whole lot of rules, probably a whole lot of reading. I'll tell you what, I went to a bachelor party this last weekend, and I had to. We played board games and stuff, and like I had to read. And oh my god, my reading skills are not good, guys. I struggle to read, especially late at night when my eyes are a little droopy and my contacts are going in and out. I cannot read, but you know what I can do. I can help you get better at disc golf and improve your game so you can have fun and dominate your tournaments in 2023. So let's just get started off with number one on the five things you must do before your first disc golf tournament in 2023 is don't try to fix your form the week before the event. That is what the offseason is for. The offseason is when you put the work in, you put the time in to develop your form and fix all the things that you want to. You can make that list in the fall time of, hey, here's what I want to accomplish this offseason. We've talked about it on this podcast before, and you work at that during the offseason. I'm not saying you can't continue to work at those things during the main season and when you're playing tournaments and leagues and all of those things. What I'm saying is, If you're going into tournament week with the expectations that you're going to fix three things in your form, those are bad expectations. You're putting way too much on your plate, and you should not be doing that. You should just be focusing on putting. I think putting is the number one thing to focus on the week before the tournament because you're going to have at least 18 putts during the tournament. And you need to feel confident in your putt. So if you can put up 100 putts a night, seven days before the event, that's 700 putts before the tournament. This is a math checks podcast. <laughs> Someone checking if my math doesn't check out. But right, if you can put up 700 putts in a week before the tournament, your putter is going to be feeling so good. You're going to have a ton of confidence when you go out there and step up on the green because putting is so mental. So we want to lock that in and we want to drive that, home putting. If you are trying to is change that made your form, or just go ahead. Uh, practice 700? Practice 700 practice putts. If you want to take it to the next level, you can make it 700 made putts. If you really want to, Don't wear if you really are dedicated out, to have the time, blah, 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 blah. But I think if you go into your tournament week with the idea that you can fix X, Y, and Z in your form, you're setting yourself up for failure. And what's going to happen is you're going to be out there. Maybe hole one through three, you do the things that you worked on that week. Well, now you hit a tree on hole four. Now you're questioning everything you're doing in your drives, in your approach shots, whatever it is. And now you are going back and forth between your old habits, what you used to do, you can't find any consistency, you can't find the groove, you're just going to be mentally frustrated and it's going to hurt your disc golf game. Couldn't agree more, and I think the one thing I would like to add here, since we hammered down on practice putting, like our buddy Logan Harpool told us a couple episodes ago, if you haven't checked that one out, definitely go check it out. Do not practice the exact same putt every single time for all 700. Make sure you're doing at least 40% of them, so that'd be 40 out of your 100 in staggered or different standing type of putts. Um, I think this is huge because let's all let's all agree here that uh, how many times do you actually get to pre- putt the exact way that you practice the most in a round? Maybe 8 to 10 times, so maybe half of the time. And half the time you're uh, in some awkward staggered position with a tree right in your hind end and you can't get comfortable and you have to just kind of eh 
you don't have to do that for practice putting, but you got to try to get in those weird, awkward spots. You saw it today on the coverage. Um, I think Gannon Burr was on a knee, and he had to putt uphill. Of course, he made it from 40 out. But still, the point is practice putts that you aren't always going to be in when you're doing it as well. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, when we're talking about not changing your form, that applies to both, you know, putting and driving. We're per- particularly talking about driving, but also don't, you know, if you're a – uh, straddle putter don't show up and you're like man you know today I don't I'm not feeling it you're warming up you know you got there a little bit earlier you're warming up and you're not making putts because maybe you're a little bit nervous so you're like I think I'm gonna go you know uh, stance putt don't do that either because you know I know I've definitely done that before you know shut up to a tournament and I'm gonna try a different putting style today and it definitely uh, ended up worse than if I had just stuck with what I normally do so this goes both ways, you know, stick with what you know, with what you've been practicing. And in the long run, it's probably going to turn out better. It's just, you know, like taking a test in high school, if you kind of just go with your gut, how many times did you change your answer on a test? And then when you got your test back, you realized you had the, te- the answer correct the first time before you erased it and changed it. It's the same exact thing, you know, kind of just go with what you've been practicing, go with your gut, you you might not perform how you would like to, but you're probably going to perform better than if you change stuff last minute. Yeah, that's a really good shout. I think if you go into it with a plan of, hey, I'm going to putt straddle, then you putt straddle. You don't get to hold nine and you're like, well, this hasn't been working, so I guess I'm going to switch it up. I think you can make minor tweaks, right? Like if you're doing something a little bit wrong or a little bit off, yeah, of course, you're going to fix that little bit of a tweak. But like you're saying, Horatio, you're not reinventing the wheel. So if you're somebody who, like Trenton is saying, and I think we all should be doing this, if you putt straddle, maybe 70% of your putts are from the straddle position, maybe give 20% from staggered. Maybe give 10% from a knee, right? Because if you give yourself those 20% from the other way that you normally putt, now if you have to do one of those on the course, you're not intimidated by it. You're not thinking, ugh. I'm going to miss this because I never practice this. I never do this. You have the confidence that you've done it before. You're not just automatically switching over, reinventing the wheel. You're just being prepared in case you have to do something different. I really like that that shout from both of you guys there on that one. I think everyone can take something away from that because putting is so mental. Don't get in your head about it. Before we uh, move on, keep going on this one, I have a question on this. When do you think or at what point do you think uh, players or professionals quit working on their form and just focus on their game? Because, you know, a lot of players we think of on tour, like top tier, you know, world-class professionals, we we think of them and we kind of know what their form is. So, you know, they're not changing their form every offseason. They might be working on certain things or practicing certain things, but they've been using the same form for years you know some of them decades you know like some of them you can think of eric oakley he has a very signature form and some of the other ones they're not as um unique but they still have their own form so at what point do you think people just quit working and changing their form and focus on their game and practicing with the form that feels natural to them and then takes them to the next level do you think people change their form way too much instead of trying to find out a form that fits them and 
kind of works for them and just starts to focus on their game. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I don't think I've thought about that a lot, but it's kind of interesting because I'm going to kind of pull off baseball here, right? Like, there is a certain way that technically, if you're a pitcher, gets the ball from the pitcher's mound to the plate the most efficient. That's what all the coaches are going to tell you to do. But then you look at college, high school, MLB, AA, doesn't matter what it is, not everyone pitches the same. And so I think you can apply that same analysis to disc golf. I think there are certain things that you have to get right but overall you can kind of tinker with a lot of things and I think a lot of newer players us three included at some point look at our form and try to just overhaul the entire thing I think it's more of a slow gradual like okay this next two months whatever it is I'm going to fix my my off arm, my my non-throwing arm, its position, the way it comes through. Okay, the next two months, now that I have that down, I'm going to work on my brace. Like, I think you need to do it slowly until you get to a point where it's like, I am doing, and I look on tape, I, I can point out, this is correct, this is correct, this is correct. I don't think it's, I don't think you should be overhauling it every two months. It's more of a slow, gradual, like, thing that you can continue to work on. It's It's just why baseball hitters take, you know, hits off the tee every day even if they're in the MLB they don't have to do that they got to the MLB they're good but I think it's just kind of driving home those principles that they've worked on along the yep, way I agree with that and I think as far as the pros go instead of focusing on their form I mean yes they make tweaks in the offseason and they do that every once in a while right when they have months off and it's not very many months but it is months when they have months off um, they do work on form and whatnot but in my opinion I believe the top level pros are focusing on mastering one or a couple types of shot, whatever it might be. Maybe they're mastering a 370-foot freaking turnover, you know, that goes just slowly fades with their buzz or whatever it might be. And I bet you they are going to the field or going to a course and throwing, because, you know, they have 20 to 50 of their favorite discs for practicing. They're going to the field, and they are literally just hammering that shot out. And then once they have that mastered and they can throw it, basically on demand they'll switch to a straight shot or they'll switch to a hyzer or whatever the whatever it might be that's what i think the top level people are doing to get to that next level to be the most consistent players and win world championships yeah i think that at some point i think that definitely will take certain players to that next level you know i think we see a lot of new players especially i think it makes sense for new players you know to be 
working on the form, changing things up, trying to figure out because it definitely doesn't make sense. You know, if you're throwing and your max distance is, you know, 200 feet or whatever, if that's all you can get, you definitely need to do some work on your form because you're not going to right. be getting birdies. So it makes sense for you to be working on your form, trying to perfect that, clean it up, make it to where it's natural and consistent. But, you know, I think some players, um, if they can get their distance to it where they can uh, easily throw 350, maybe even 400, I think at that point you almost need to stop focusing so much on your form because you are getting that distance. I think over time it'll clean up and become more efficient. But I think at that point, once you have that distance, it's more important to work on those shots like you're talking about because you see players who can throw that distance very well but they can't throw a nice approach shot or they can't throw a good turnover uh, because they're still working on getting that form perfect so they can get 450 or 500 feet, which is not as necessary as really good approach shots or a really good sidearm or, you know what you know what I mean? Yeah. I also think that, sure, you can throw 450 in a wide open field with no obstacles and a favorable wind, but how many courses and how many holes on those courses do you have that? You know what I'm saying? Like it's like you're saying, you know, get to somewhere where you're comfortable, especially if, if you're someone who it's not like, hey, I'm going to go be the next Paul McBeth. If you just want to be good at disc golf, be pretty good in your area, play some local MPO events. I mean, really, like, you know, master those courses, master different shot selections. If you can hit a tight tunnel gap 250, that's better than throwing 450 in some cases. Because if you can throw 450, but all you do is play woods courses, I don't think there's a whole lot of value in being able to do that. I think having multiple shot selections, being a well-rounded disc golfer, is important to you getting better at disc golf. Are we ready for point for number two more. Yeah, on uh, the top five list? Okay. So number two on the list is you need to play one to two practice rounds on the course and the layout that the tournament is going to be in. If you cannot, the day of the event, try to walk the course backwards. Watch out for flying before... discs. <laughs> yes. Yes. Before the tournament. Watch out for flying discs. You will definitely be an obstacle. People might not like The it. reason for this, yes, that is definitely a fair warning to put on this one. Maybe the night before, the day before, when there's not as many people there, you're able to do that instead. Like, you know, let's see, get off at 6 o'clock, go hit it real quick, whatever. But w the point of this is, is you want to be familiar with the course. I don't think you want to be in a situation where you're surprised at what the next hole is. How many times have you played a brand new course and then you played it again and you did better the second time? Because you know the layouts, you know kind of where you want to land, you know where what shots to be throwing here, what hazards to look out for, where if you're playing the course blind, you don't have those kinds of data points. Literally look to the best players in our sport. They put in three, maybe four practice rounds before an event on the course and the layout. I think the layout is critical. If you so for example, us here in Wichita, Kansas, we can go to Oak Park. It's got four layouts, I think, four main layouts. If you go play the short pads, but the tournament is going to be a mix of short and long, you're not really helping yourself. You're only helping yourself on maybe half of the holes. So understanding what the layout for the tournament is 
and getting a practice round or two on that just so you have some confidence in yourself, just so you can have some some idea of what the course is going to look like. And if you can't do that, we talked to Ron Converse who gave us this tip about walking holes backwards. Even if you walk the hole forward, stop at the basket, turn around, and look back at the tee pad. You might see different lines than standing on the tee pad that allows you to get to the basket in a more efficient and smart manner. I think doing those two things can definitely help you in your tournaments in 2023. Yeah, you know, I would say that's definitely, you know, something you see in all sorts of sports, you know, Formula One, like we like to talk about, or any other sport where people try to go through and practice it. And I would say even on top of that, maybe you don't have the time or maybe you don't know what the layout is going to be or you're driving from out of town and you don't have a chance to get there, but you know the course. Um, or even if you finish playing the course, another thing I would say is on top of that, practicing it a couple of times is go through it in your head. So if you're sitting at work, you know, bored out of your mind and you have a few minutes, or if you're maybe not driving home or maybe falling, you're having a hard time falling asleep. Some, some point where you're just relaxed and you have some time to think, go through the course in your mind. Go through what discs you want to use, what discs you plan to use, and try to visualize those shots. If you've played it before, visualize how the shot would have gone to been a better shot. Visualize yourself making those putts. Get your mindset, kind of your mind, almost tricking it to the point to where, you know, you've seen these shots before, you kind of have an idea, and it gives you a confidence so the next day or whenever, when you go to play, you somewhat have seen yourself execute these shots and execute these holes the way that you want to. Agreed. And let's also not forget about the beautiful little thing that's on your phone that if you don't have, you need to have called, can't see it, it's called UDisc. Definitely jump on. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor of the app, of the pod, but doesn't matter at this point. Maybe it does matter. Whatever. The point being, you can get on there and you can look at the uh, exact... This is going to be, especially for if you've never been to the course, so you're traveling from out of town or whatever it might be, you can see, as long as it's in there correctly, of course, so there is a little bit of variables if the layout is in there incorrectly or the, the distances are wrong. But you can get on there and you can see the distances of each hole. You can get a relatively good top-down view if it's dogleg left, dogleg right, if there's a tree in the middle of the fairway, whatever it might be. You can, you know, decide if there's going to be a little good landing zone on this 780-foot par 4 so that you can, whatever. Point being, don't forget you can jump on U-Disc and check out the exact distances or relatively close to the exact distances and the layout um, if you are not able to go to the course and physically walk it or physically play it. Question for you two before we move to number three. In the tournaments you have played... How many of those have you played blind, and how would you cons- how would you compare those blind tournaments to tournaments where you've played that layout before? Like, do have you yourself have you seen yourself play better at events you've played the course before? You know how it works. Yeah, so definitely have played much better at courses that I have played before, um, and that is because I went and played a higher level I don't know about higher level course I went up to Indiana to visit a friend and we played in the tournament and there was two courses on this piece of property it was awesome and I did not 
do well because I had never played any of the courses. I had never played in Indiana, which there's a lot more trees and a lot more hills there, which makes a difference when you play flat earth golf like we do. Well, at least in Wichita. Some of the courses in uh, eastern Kansas aren't as flat. But point being, definitely played a lot better on courses that I physically played first. And I did not do any of these tips, and it was a bad move. So definitely learn from uh, that experience to jump on. That's where my UDISC tip came from. Jump on UDISC and look over the course extensively, not just kind of glance over it. So Yeah, no. I don't think I've played any blind because I've only played local local tournaments, but I know some people that have played um, tournaments blind and they do really well. You even hear about some pros, you know, playing courses blind, like they sh- they just showed up and played and they did really well, didn't get any practice rounds in. And I think there's a little bit to that because they have no expectations. Maybe they do know the holes, you know, they play the course blind, but maybe they have an idea of what the holes are. Um, and so they don't have an exact of, okay, this is what I have to do on this hole. I have to use this disc and it has to go here and I have to do this. I practiced it like this. I did it yesterday. I have to do it again. And so you have a lot of these expectations of, I did it in my practice rounds. I have to do it again. Or I didn't do it in my practice rounds. I have to get it today because today is game day. And so, you know, I think some of those people that have those really good rounds where they show up and play blind, they don't have any of those expectations or standards, so they're able to play and just kind of have fun. So I think even though this didn't make our list, I think there's a little bit to that. You know, don't go, I'm not saying go play the course blind or the tournament blind, but I'm saying take a little bit of that nature of playing it, just having fun and kind of not having any expectations, letting everything go. Because, you know, kind of once, once the gun goes off, Everything you practice or whatever you did, it's out the window and, you know, it's game time and you just have to focus on that hole at that time and just play. So I think that's that's kind of what happens when you go play a tournament blindness. You have nothing else but just the hole in front of you. Yeah, that's fair. And I think maybe bottle some of that up and I feel with maybe the last point on this list we might be able to hammer that out a little bit more but let's get to number three on the top five list of things you must do before your tournaments in 2023 this one is practice like you play if you are somebody who gets to the course 15 minutes before you're gonna start your round you know you get 10 practice butts in stretch a little bit and all right you're ready to go keep some of that same routine when it comes to tournament day if you get to the tournament two hours before and you're like okay I'm gonna do 45 minutes of stretching and then I'm gonna do 30 minutes of putting and then I'm gonna play nine holes and then I'm gonna come back you are just setting yourself up for so much mental exhaustion there's no reason to do that you're going to be going into the first hole two hours more tired than what you could be right you've been standing around on your feet maybe it's cold maybe it's super hot maybe it's rainy and now all your discs are wet Whatever it is, you've exposed yourself to the elements for two hours. All you've done is kind of maybe put yourself in a bad mental place because you don't already do that. Maybe you hit a tree on the fourth hole because it's the hardest on the course. And you're like, well, that was the last hole I did. The last thing in my mind is me hitting that tree. So I think you want to practice like you play. And I'm not saying don't get there and give yourself time to do a warm up. What I'm saying is don't go in and do 10 things that you never do before your rounds. If you putt a little bit, okay, yeah, putt a little bit. Personally, I like to get to the tournament 
about an hour before my tea time. When we all go play, I'm probably the guy who gets there about 15-ish minutes. I give myself 15 minutes-ish to warm up, and I always wish I would give myself more time to warm up because when I get to the tournament an hour before, what I do is I kind of walk around, I say hello to some people, I'll give myself 10-ish minutes putting, okay? So that kind of gets me in there, and, and that's what I do when we all go play just a regular round. Then, you know, I'll stretch a little bit, make sure I'm checked in, and maybe I'll throw 18, 20 shots max. And they're not max distance shots or anything like that. It's literally just to get the body loose and make sure that I've thrown a couple of shots before it's time to go on the first tee. Because if you're somebody who, when you're playing these rounds with your friends or by yourself and you notice, man, my first, like, five holes, the throw doesn't really feel too good. I'm not really locked in yet and then you know about hole six or seven you're really feeling good your throws are crisp everything's kind of coming together and gelling then you need to get yourself to that state for hole one otherwise you just threw those five holes away and you could risk injuring yourself if you try to go out there and put everything into the first hole and then you kind of get hurt so this is one where you want to take that step back realize how early do I really want to get to this thing give yourself enough time to do enough of a warm-up to where you're loose and ready to go when the gun goes off and it's time to tee off on hole one, but don't be there for hours on end being like, I'm going to get a full practice round in before the first hole of the tournament, or you're going to putt for an hour and a half and that's going to magically fix your putting or, or anything like that. I don't think that actually helps you. If anything, I think that puts you in a bad mental place. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I would just kind of go to, I'm going to, I'm going to, give you guys what I think works best for me um, on my tournament rounds. Uh, Quinn kind of told you what he did, gets there a little, like an hour early. I get there between an hour to 45 minutes early. I, unlike Quinn, he, he throws shots. He might play some holes. He didn't say that. I try to play two to three holes, and I try to kind of focus on where I think I'm going to be on a couple of the more challenging holes. So, yes, I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm not trying to throw bombs. I'm just trying to loosen up, trying to do all that. But I like to go to the holes that are a little bit more – stressful for me I guess and try to put myself in the position I think I'll be in and work on my upshots or work on a couple of my putts um that can kind of put the unrealistic expectation that you know um I have to do this when I get to this hole but at the same time if you kind of land if you think that's where you're going to be and you practice the shots I think it's a good way to practice that's what I do personally and then um when I go practice putt I don't overdo it because you can definitely there's definitely some people I've seen it at tournaments who literally get like 150 to 200 putts up beforehand and I don't think that is a good idea. I think if you if you practice 100 putts a day, that is one thing. That's that's not going to affect you one way or the other. But if you usually get to the course and do about 30 to 40 practice putts, so you putt for I don't know 10 15 minutes, do not double it and do, you know, 100 to 150 putts or 30 minutes of practice putting cuz you're just going to get in your own head, and I think that's going to end up being worse for you. So that's, that's kind of my my take on that. Yeah, you know, I don't really have too much to add on this one. You know, I think pretty much pretty straightforward, you know, kind of just do have make a routine, kind of what works for you. Uh, definitely, you know, not showing up super early. I would also say the same to, you know, don't show up just last minute. Don't get any putts in. Don't get any practice in. You know, don't. Don't be the guy that shows up, you know, with five minutes and just jumps straight into it. Um, it because, you know, if that's normally what you do in normal rounds, because a lot of people, 
you know, for casual rounds with buddies, that's what we all do. We show up and we go right to the hole and we just start playing. So for a lot of people, that is routine. So, you know, maybe for some people, it's not the worst if, you know, they do kind of change it up a little bit come tournament day. But I, I, I know what you're saying, you know, don't take it to the extreme because of nerves or because of over preparation, but definitely have some kind of preparation if you have none. Yeah, I love it. Number four is understand expectations and allow yourself to have a mistake or two. The reason we bring this one up is, and Horatio talked about it a little bit earlier, was expectations can be good and they can be bad. If you birdie hole seven out on the course every single time you play it, and now on tournament day you don't get that birdie, you can kill your mental game by having that expectation. I think you need to, and something this is my baseball coach has said this all the time, was so what next pitch? So what next hole, right? So what next putt? So what next drive? You hit a tree on 13, oh well, move on from it. And having those expectations of, well, I expect myself to finish first because every time I come here I shoot five down. It's cool to challenge yourself. I think that's good. But I think when you put these expectations on yourself and then something happens that allows you to not hit that expectation and your game immediately gets flushed down the toilet and you're unable to recover, that is a bad thing. And so something that a, a pro on the podcast had told us before was, you know, allow yourself to have a couple of mistakes. Understand you're going to be nervous. You're going to be anxious. This is not a normal round with your buddies. As much as we all try to say it is or it's just you against the course, you're probably going to have those butterflies in your stomach. It's okay. We're all human. We all have those. It's just who can better mitigate those, right? So you need to understand, and maybe you set this with yourself, of, hey, I'm going to have three times this round that something is not going to be as expected. Maybe you miss that 10-footer. Maybe you hit a tree off the drive. Maybe it's a bad upshot. You know, whatever it is, you have, allow yourself to have three or however many, whatever your skill level allows. Maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to have nine. I'm going to have one every other hole. Maybe I'm going to have one every single hole. Maybe it's just the one. Whatever you determine, you can set that for yourself. Allow yourself to have that because I think mentally that's going to help your game a lot because if it's, if it's, you know, hole 11 of that round, and you haven't had your mistake yet, and you have a mistake, you can be like, hey, that's okay. I'm ahead of pace right now. I still have two more mistakes before this round is over. It's not, oh my gosh, I just missed this spot. How could I do that? Now I lost a stroke on this guy, and and how am I going to recover? And You're not worried about all that. You're able to just flow and play your game, and I really think mentally this is going to help a lot of players out there. Yeah, so I definitely agree, and this is the hardest part of my game personally and probably most people's game is the mental side. Um, the tip of giving yourself an expectation to have some errors has been fantastic for me, and I'll admit it's very hard to do even when you try to come to terms with it before the tournament round or any round. You try to accept we all are amateurs on this podcast. Most of you guys listening are amateurs, I'm sure. But pros make mistakes too. They all come to the same conclusions, right? It's always gonna there's always gonna be something that happens on the course. As hard as it is to so what next pitch or so what as Quentin call 
like this brought up, so what, next putt, so what, next drive. It is very hard to do, but the faster you can move on, throw that behind you, and don't look back, the better you're going to play. That I, I don't, I'm not really adding much to what you said, Quentin, but I just want to hammer that out. It's very hard to do, and we all understand that it is probably the number one issue for 99% of disc golfers out there is the mental set. Yeah, you know, I think definitely sometimes players with the same level or, you know, within within 10 to 20 uh, points of rating similarity, I think what it comes down to is uh, mentality and kind of who's going to crash quicker. You know, let's say you take two players who are similar skill level and you're playing around. A lot of times it's going to come down to the one that's going to win. It's the one that's going to hold it together the longest. Sometimes not necessarily who who's the better player, but who can not collapse after a bad putt or, you know, not just implode on themselves after a bad drive. Because once that happens, it's just a snowball. And so you have two players like that. It's whoever can mentally stay stronger, stay calm, and get through the round and just focus on their thing and let the other person collapse, usually it's the one that's going to come out on top. Very rarely, you know, the person that is just having a fit and just mad about this and mad about that and, you know, just going on and on and getting upset about their game, very rarely does that help them and come out as a win in their round, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and it kind of leads us into number five, so I'm just going to hit it and we can continue this discussion, is you need to stay calm. Understand everything is not going to go your way. You are not perfect. You're not going to have the perfect round. Bad things are going to happen to you. How do you handle those bad things, right? And and it's one of those things where we've all played a tournament and had somebody on the card who is throwing a temper tantrum is upset, not talking to the group, just... And I'm not saying you have to talk to the group, but, like, if you miss a putt, there's no reason to, you know, start cursing, and there's no reason to then throw your discs at your bag or start yelling or talking during someone else's putt. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect, right? Have I had instances where I have missed a putt and I have been angry? Absolutely. But do you think that helped me in my tournament? Hell no. That's why I can stand here and admit my faults that I have done these things before and it's not like my tournament went well for me. Bad things happen. I was a bad card mate. And so I we all have to try to just learn and move on from those instances, right? You don't want to be labeled as the guy who when they see that you're on their card, everyone else is like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. We have to play with this guy? I can think of a couple that come to my mind right now that I don't want to see their name when we play tournaments because I know it's going to be a bad time. And remember, we are out here to have fun, especially if you're playing in these local C tiers, B tiers, A tiers, and you're not an MPO, you're not, your living is not disc golf. We are out here to have fun. We gave our money to have fun. So enjoy your round, enjoy the competition, and just go out and have fun. Don't slam your putter when you miss. Don't start yelling and cussing everyone out. Just chill. Vibe check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, you hammered that one on the head. And I think one thing I would like to add is if you are a guy who decides to play a tournament and you just play league night once a week, yes, you're playing a lot more than some people, but you're not out 
you know, you're not able to putt every night and you're not able to go to the field and practice field work once a week, don't go out to the course and get upset because you missed a putt that you feel like you should have made when you haven't put the time in. So just go out there and have fun. Like Quinn was saying, just don't, don't have over, don't, don't have too high of expectations. And if you're, if you're not out there, you know, putting in, I don't know, 10 hours a week and putting and driving and you get mad because you miss your first putt, you just, just woosah. You shouldn't get mad anyways, but don't have too high of expectations and just, just go out there and have fun. Like Quinn was saying, I'll say, you know, Quentin definitely only gets upset depending on the score. Like if we're playing a casual round, if he's winning, the the <laughs> mistakes aren't that big of a deal. And but if he's losing, it's definitely getting to his head, and he gets upset a lot more if he's losing, whether as opposed to when he's winning. Agreed. You know, honestly, I'm really glad that you said that because. That makes so much sense. I can think of the Colwich tournament last year where I think the first round, I literally couldn't buy a putt. I mean, it didn't matter where I was putting from. That sucker was not going in the basket. And I feel like because I had fallen back, like uh, it did kind of hurt me mentally. And maybe I put a little bit more pressure on myself or whatever. And and every time that we play, that's 100%. If, if I'm leading and I have strokes to lose – and I make a mistake, it's not that big of a deal. We'll get them next time. But by golly, man, if I'm hunting, if I'm trying to hunt you down and I make a mistake, that that definitely hurts my mentality, which is something that I can work on for tournaments this year. And I think that is a really good shout that, you know, try to not allow the score to, you know, impact your mental game. Just go out there and try to give it your all on every single shot because every single shot, every single putt is independent of the rest of them. So put a hundred percent effort into the one that is coming up. And yeah, I, I, that was a really good point because I can think of in my tournament rounds, even if it's not putting, even if it's driving and it's like, you know, I can also think of the keeper of the chains where I'm playing first two rounds. Awesome. You know, I'm in fourth in the last round and one thing didn't go my way. And it's like, well, I just lost a stroke to him. I lost two strokes to him. I start trying more, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I just lost three strokes to everybody. And then it's just more and more and more and snowball, snowball, snowball. I never was able to mentally reset like we're talking about. And I so guess, I definitely think that's, that's something I I guess, you know, it's kind of just like on. that thing where um, it's easy to do things when it, uh, it's easy going, but it's hard to stick with it uh-huh. when, when the going gets tough. Uh, you know, it's definitely easy to have yeah. a game plan these tricks that you know we're teaching you guys and all these things that you're going to focus on and you're playing decent it's it's nice and fun to do all these things but when you get three bogeys in a row or you get a double bogey three three or 30 you said three oh i thought you said 30 it's like damn that's a bad tournament round man if you got 30 in a row sorry for interrupting or three bogeys in a row you know or you go ob like twice and, you know, or this stuff just starts to pile up and it's just going bad. It's very easy to forget everything. Everything goes out the door. And I think that's when it counts the most. You know, when you're making birdies, you're hitting your lines, you're making putts. These tricks, you know, it's good. You know, they are they got you there. Maybe they're getting you to get those birdies or whatnot. But these things matter the absolute most when you just went OB 
and now you know you have no chance at par you're looking at maybe best a bogey maybe a double bogey or your disc just went in the water or you just three putted or whatever it is you know worst case scenario that is when this stuff is going to be needed the most you know i think for me that's definitely something i try to keep in mind and i try to whether i'm winning or losing i try to have kind of a similar mindset you know you know if i'm winning or you i have strokes kind of keep that same killer mentality or you know kind of try to stay humble if that makes sense and if i'm losing having the similar mindset of like being like you know all right we'll get it you know just stick with it and it'll come couldn't agree more fellas i think we hammered out the top five things to get yourself ready for a tournament in 2023 and uh, I don't know. What else you got? I have one yeah. more point. I have one more point. I'll close this out oh, on this last you. point. I didn't know anything. We, we talked to uh, a local here, Duck from Duck's Flying Disc, right? And he was telling Trent and I when we were having a meeting with him a couple months ago that, you know, if someone, this is an example for the brand and, you know, we can use this for your tournaments, right? If someone gets, comes in our YouTube, our Instagram or whatever and is bad-mouthing us, trashing us, calling us idiots, it's it, it it happens. I I have the DMs. It's kind of funny to be honest. But when those things happen, <laughs> like if you take that like personally, and it's and like you allow that to affect you, like you, you got to think about it. Like this person and whatever their life is is like this. Like got them like going. You know what I'm saying? Like this means everything to them. This uh, where to you it's like we have other things going on in our lives. When we're playing these tournaments, we have other things going on in our lives. Don't let this one missed putt ruin the rest of your day. Don't let this one bad drive, this one bad day of disc golf, make you feel like you're a horrible disc golfer you should never play, or now you're mad at your spouse, or you're mad at your kids, or you just take out your frustration on everybody else, right? Like, Horatio, how many tournaments when we first started playing did we leave that event and we were like, wow, I suck at disc golf. I'm never playing this again. I'm never doing a tournament. I felt like it was yeah. every single one. If that is your mentality leaving the course on the end of tournament day, then we got to fix your mentality. You know what I'm saying? That is a horrible mental place to be in. Remember that this is a game. I just, we do I this just to sucked. have fun. We want to get better. That's why you're still listening. Yeah. <laughs> fair. That's very fair. But, like, remember, there's other things outside of your life that matter also, so don't allow one bad putt, one bad drive, impact that, kill your day, whatever. That's all I have to say. Anything else before we get out of here? Play for par and you'll end up on the podium. Yeah, you know, I think it's don't lose the passion. You know, I think this last season we saw Nico have the worst. Um, he was kind of made an example. You know, definitely yelling at refs is a big no-no, but I think he just wears his heart on his sleeve, not, you know, defending his actions or anything. But I think he is the prime example of someone that has put everything in their life sacrificed a lot of things into disc golf and you know i think the reason the root of a lot of people's frustrations or me leaving a tournament mad because i did so bad is not really mad because you know i suck i know i sucked going into it i knew i sucked but it's you know you you for the people that do practice you practice so much you play every day you buy discs you buy the bags you watch YouTube all the time, like you consume so much of it, you put so much time and effort into it. 
So you go and put yourself to the test and, you know, you a tournament, you know, where you kind of see what you can do and you don't do well. It hurts. You know, it sucks. You know, you can't make a 15 footer, even though you practice them in the garage every single day. And it sucks and it's tough. So there's that's because you have passion about this. So like if you go to a tournament, you do bad and you don't care. You're like, whatever. Oh, well, like, who cares? Uh, maybe take a step back. You need to take a break, you know, reevaluate definitely what's important to you while you're doing things. Just re, I guess, move that passion around, you know, turn that anger into something else, you know, as opposed to leaving like, I hate this. Why did I play this tournament? I suck. It should be, I need to go home and practice. I need to, where did I do bad today? My upshots, my putting, I need to go and throw 50 upshots this week or a hundred putts this week turn that anger frustration into something positive so that you want to do another tournament and you want to see improvement you know even though I don't I don't have a a PDGA membership yet uh, I see why people get those and for ratings because it allows them to see that improvement and so people do tournaments because they want to continue growing and continue seeing that improvement in themselves so I, I definitely get it. So you guys, good luck this season. If you guys are going to do tournament, best of luck to you. Hopefully you guys do well, get some wins. Let us know if you guys get some W's, take some photos, tag us in those, and we'd love to share those. And, you know, you guys are winning, we're winning. So that's what we're out here for. Yeah, I mean, I literally can't agree with what you're saying. Uh, there are more for issue. And, and like he was saying, good or bad, Tag us in your content. Send us direct messages. I promise I look at those and I respond. It's not just a random bot. You know, we are here to build that connection and relationship with you guys. We want to see you guys and gals succeed. So let's get on this journey together. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you're like, man, maybe I should work on fixing my form before I have my first tournament in May or whenever it is, check out last week's episode where we talked to Overthrow Disc Golf and they gave us the top five must-dos in your form or you'll not be able to improve in disc golf. You're going to want to check that one out if you want to be on the path to improving your disc golf game. Make sure to leave that like rating if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and we will see you guys next week. 